Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it's your girl Sky Brown, and welcome to the Sky Brown Morning Show. We have an awesome, awesome show prepared for you today. I am talking to Mr. Peter Benjaminson, who is the author of Mary Wells, The Tumultuous Life of Motown's First Superstar. I definitely don't want to jack up the title. This topic is far, far too important um, for you guys not to know about it. I mean, he is a prolific writer, and I'm just so happy that um, he's taking time out of his day to be on the show. There's so many secrets and juicy tidbits <laughs> of what happened with Motown, and so to be able to speak with someone um, to share and add a little bit of insight is very, very exciting. And further, I might add, I mean, there's there's a lot of information about Mary Wells out there, but um, to be able to kind of hear it from a insider's perspective and a writer's perspective about Motown, the Detroit era, I mean, this is this is really, really, really good stuff. So, on that note, just want to share with everybody, the chat room is now open, so for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be chatting it up live. Good morning to my darlings in the chat room. Hey, everybody. Um, you can definitely find us on Twitter, uh, at SkyBrown. And um, if you have any questions, hit us up in the chat room while we're on the air. And if you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, Mixcloud, or anything like that, and you'd like to follow up with the show, just hit us up, SkyBrownShow at gmail.com. So I want to give a special you know, special shout-out and a special good morning to N-O-V-A-L, who's in the chat room right now. Good morning, and thank you so much for holding down my chat room for me. I love kicking it with you every day. You've been rocking with me since June of 2008 when we started this show. So thank you, as always, for your support in the chat room. So without further delay, I would like to introduce our guest. I think I have to get, you know, we started the new season this week. I think I have to get, like, the hand clappers or something. But in the meantime, I'm just going to go like this. Good morning, Peter. Are you with us? Yes, I am. I am. I think I'm, I'm probably just as excited to speak with you as you probably are to be on the show today. <laughs> That's great. I'm loving Kimberly. it. Uh, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, I was at Book Expo America, and um, Kimberly, who works with me here on the show, was like, Saida, I have a great story. So I was just so happy um, because there's so much we don't know about Mary Wells and just that whole era of music. And, and so I'm just, you know, I'm just excited to, um, to speak with you. So this is, this is going to, we're going to have a good time together this morning, right? Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to be on the show and I'm I'm also excited to talk about Mary Wells because as you say she was uh relatively unknown in the Motown pantheon. I mean she was early on before all all the other 
many of the other great singers at Motown. She was their first superstar, and there's a lot of stuff that uh, I uncovered and other people have uncovered that uh, was previously unknown about her. So, yes, uh, any questions you have or anything I can tell you about Mary, I'd be glad to talk about. Well, I, well, I want to just share at the top of the show right now um, the name of the book, I mean the, the website of the book, and the website is uh, it's marywellsbook.com, correct? That's right. Good. LaVon, can you put that in the chat room for me? And if you can, continuously put that in the chat room. And to learn more about the book, we did put a link right on our blog, cybrown.com, so people can go there and read an excerpt of the book. But I want to start at the very beginning. What made you, what was in your heart and in your spirit to even get you to the place where you felt you needed to write a book about um, about Mary? Well, it goes back a little ways. I was a reporter for the Detroit Free Press, which is the major newspaper in that city, uh, in the mm-hmm. 1970s. And I uh, did a story on Flo Ballard of the Supremes, uh, who later resigned from the Supremes, being on welfare, which was a big story at the time. It was like saying, uh, if you said right now that uh, Vice President Joe Biden is on food stamps or something, that would also be a big story. Uh, So I did the story. Uh, She actually liked the story because I wrote it sympathetically to her, and she got a lot of sympathetic comments like, uh, where have you been? We thought you were retired in Florida, et cetera, et cetera. How can we help you? Uh, And then I wrote a book about her, uh, called The Lost Supreme, The Life of Dream Girl Florence Ballard. It, oh, the wow. book did very, Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Uh, the book did very well, and uh, while it was out, I got a call from a guy of all places in Florida, an elementary school teacher in Florida, <clears throat> who had been a friend of Mary Wells's when she was living in Florida. And he said, look, mm-hmm. Peter, uh, if uh, you thought the Flo Ballard story was interesting you really ought to take a look at Mary Wells and and do her story. Now, I get a little mad at him because I I thought that Mary was just like Flo. You know, uh, I told him, uh, you want me to do another story about a young woman who joins the Motown Record Company, then quits and doesn't do too well afterwards? It's the same thing. And he said, absolutely not. uh, She's done a lot of other things. She was a much more dynamic figure than Florence Ballard was and much more interesting. And it finally turned out that he was right. Uh, As soon as I started researching Mary Wells, I realized what a determined, fascinating, and interesting figure he was. uh, She was. So uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I I got I started writing the book very enthusiastically, and I'm still enthusiastic about it. She's uh, she's one of the more determined figures in music that I've ever encountered. Why do you think? I want to get into, you know, her story, but why do you think she was such a slept-on singer? Why do you think she was, why, was it that she was too soon? Why do you think she was so slept on in the history of Motown? Well, um, I think it was because of her determination. Uh, she was very, she arrived at Motown very early, basically in 1960, before mm-hmm. it was a major record company. And uh, her first record, which she first song, I should say, which she wrote herself and which Barry Gordy personally produced uh, was called Bye Bye Baby. It's a great song, uh, and to her delight, she recorded it having no experience, and even Motown had very little recording experience then. 
she recorded mm-hmm. it and it went up to number 41 on the pop chart uh which was really amazing for a major. first time hit yeah yeah then, that was really major oh it was unbelievable then she uh on her next hit that went uh, up to number 33 uh and it basically continued like that for the several years she was at Motown. Each song, uh, they were being written by other people then, but she was still singing them. Each song went higher and higher on the charts until in 1964 she reached number one with My Guy. Uh, so I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, one of the impressive things about My Guy is that it's still very much around. Uh, J.C. Penney, uh, the store, had a, a leap in the spring and last spring, that is in 2012, and they sure my guy, did. yeah, my guy was the only song that they used on the soundtrack. It, you know, it showed uh, young couples uh, barbecuing and stuff like that. But, I, I mean, remember, right? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that commercial. You're absolutely right, Peter. You're right. And that that was in 2012, while the song was recorded in 1964. Uh, that shows Mary's staying power and how good that song was. But uh, to get back to answering your question, uh, she uh, then decided that, and I can see why she did, that it wasn't Motown who was making her a star. I mean, on her first day at work, she, she'd she sung a hit and gone on upwards from there. So she figured uh, she'd, she'd leave and make even more money at, uh, at other record companies. Uh, mm-hmm. That... No one else really, no one else of any stature had left Motown, the company, up until then. So uh, she was, you know, this is like an uncharted route to take, and uh, she took it. Uh, But then she had a lot of problems because uh, Motown, although they didn't make her a singer, really, and they didn't, their recording techniques were, uh, were not as unique as people say, they were able to keep her a star by promoting her records uh, in, the, in the record industry and for the public. The other record mm-hmm. companies that she went to weren't able to do it. So uh, her career, while not, it certainly wasn't bad from then on, but she never got back to the heights of uh, popularity that she did at Motown. Well, you know, I, you know, one of the things I, I when you mentioned the JCPenney commercial, mm-hmm. you can't help but to know with with a high degree of certainty that she can actually sing. <laughs> yeah. And I think and I think that's what's missing, not even in soul music, just in music in general. You know, now it seems as though artists are so fabricated and they're they're cooked up from the marketing department uh at these labels that, you know, when you have when you have those strong and powerful voices, they could actually belt out a tune a cappella on a stage or you know, in a, in a little a, a, a little corner of a like a, a speakeasy or something like that you know, and I just I just think when we talk about staying power and how this generation is now being exposed, or subsequent generations are being exposed and actually still enjoy the music, it's because she can actually sing. <laughs> I think that yeah. has a that that has a lot to do with it. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh... She was a natural singer to begin with. She had a good voice. She sang in the mm-hmm. choir, church, and the chorus at school. Uh, and also, uh, I hate to keep coming back to it, or maybe I like to keep coming back to it. But she was determined <laughs> to be a she was determined to be a singer. Uh, right. She uh, 
perfected her voice. Well, just to give you an example, when she uh, she wanted to get Barry Gordy's attention, he was the president of Motown at the time, uh, mm-hmm. and the way she did it was to get herself basically smuggled into a nightclub in Detroit. Uh, she was on, she was 16, so she really shouldn't have been mm-hmm. there. But uh, Barry was walking. He had two Motown groups performing in different parts of this large nightclub, and she uh, uh, managed to uh, come up to to arrive next to him when he was walking between those two acts. And obviously he was very busy. He was trying mm-hmm. to coordinate the two acts, and he was, you know, uh, this is a big moment for a young entrepreneur. Uh, and she kept pestering him while he was walking and saying, Mr. Gordy, Mr. Gordy, I want to come in and uh, sing this song I wrote for you. When can I come in? When can I come in? And he, he kept, you know, waving her away, saying, I'm too busy, as he, as he was walking to the other act. And finally, she kept pestering him so much, he said, okay, okay, just sing it right here. Sing it now. And <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, clenching and running away or something, she immediately just stood there and belted the song out, a cappella, no accompaniment, uh, mm-hmm. to to a basically annoyed man uh, who uh, then <laughs> then he thought the song was so good and she had such poise and such good voice, as you pointed out, that uh, uh, he told her to come in the next morning uh, with her mother because she was underage uh, and right. uh, sign, a, sign a Motown contract. But that was the beginning of everything. You know, it's, that, uh, that's how, number one is determination because, I, you know, I was reading excerpts from the book and one of it is determination, and that goes with no matter what you do in life. You can be a writer, you can be a you know a singer, whatever it is, not even just proprietary to the entertainment industry. There has to be a level of determination. But I just think it was, it was a little easier to – I have to be careful because I understand the, the racial, you know, undertones of what I'm getting ready to say, but I think it was a little bit easier to actually – just perfect your craft. You know, even though that was a time where, you know, we, we have this, the, the height of the civil rights movement, um, there were still ways to get your music heard and, 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 and be out there, whether you, your story started from church or it moved forward. And, and, and I don't see that now. You know, there were supportive audiences. Now, it's, you know, if you're not on American Idol, you can forget it. You yes, can, you that's, can definitely that's forget very it. true. That's very true. There's another side to that also, and that was well. Maybe I'm maybe I'm supporting what you just said. Uh, Motown was particularly good at the time in promoting records because I mean, obviously, it was a black-owned company, and mm-hmm. most the the members, <clears throat> excuse me, the mem- the people who did the promo for them, that is, the men and women who went out to the DJs and tried to get them to play records. Those are the promo guys. Uh, right. They they were mostly black, as were the DJs. So in a way, they were in the same subculture. You know, they got along together. Right. Uh, and but then when Mary went to other record companies, there were no other big black-owned record companies. When she went to the white-owned record companies, which had white promo departments, uh, they still had to go to the. They still should have gone to the black DJs. But racial relations were such that. They they couldn't really figure couldn't. out how to do they it. Just right, right. So that that really screwed her up because it's the promo guys and girls, I should say, that that who go around to the DJs and you know what? Obviously, what did they do in that era? They uh, 
they gave them they gave the DJs presents or they or they uh, uh, gave them bottles of liquor or more likely they just more more commonly they just talked up the records. But if you're in different little subcultures like white and black, right. you can't you can't cross those in those days. You couldn't cross the boundary very easily, and they never really tried. So that really hurt Mary's career. She hadn't taken Motown's promo uh, advantage in that area into account. Right, and that's why that's why I prefaced my statement that you, I had to try to be careful because I wasn't trying to allude that it was so much easier, but you, you hit it right on the head when you talk about this subculture. We're going to support you just because you're black. And you're going, right. you know, you are, we look up to you, you're really doing your thing, we're going to support you regardless. You know, I wanted to just kind of switch a little bit, um, switch gears where the title of the book is Mary Wells, The Tumultuous Life of Motown's First Superstar. Um, I don't believe in, you know, exploiting the sensationalism of anybody just for the sake of giving us something to talk about for a half an hour. But it's in the title of the book, The Tumultuous Life of Motown's First Superstar. Why did you feel it necessary to put that in the book, and what was so tumultuous about her life? Well, first of all was her somewhat surprising uh, marital life. I mean, uh, she married uh, a, 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 her first backup singer. I thought he was an interesting guy. I shouldn't say backup singer. He was her, her backup band leader. Uh, he, he was named Herman Griffin. Uh, his big claim to fame was that while she was singing and he was directing the band, he'd do backflips and somersaults on the stage. He was a very ta- <laughs> he, he was a very talented acrobat. Uh, now, I thought when I first heard this that some guy doing backflips while you're singing would distract. Uh, but no, it turned out that he waited appropriately until she was like holding a big note at the end of the song and then do three or four backflips to kind of emphasize it. So he he was a, it must have been a good show. I'm sorry I missed it. Uh right. He, he was definitely an asset, but uh, and she liked him and uh you know, they got together and uh, she married him. Uh but then a few months after they got married, he stupidly uh made love to a prostitute who uh, went to a party that he went to, but that Mary didn't go to. And unfortunately for him, lots of her friends were there, so uh, there was no way he could get out of it. She figured, if he's going to do this this early, I'm going to get rid of him. She divorced him. Uh, Then she married a guy named Cecil Womack, which a lot of your listeners may have heard of. Uh, He was Bobby Womack's brother, uh, Mm -hmm. one of the Womacks one of the Womack brothers, and uh, they sang as the Valentinos for a while. In any case, uh, Cecil, uh, she and Cecil uh, got together. They got married. They stayed together uh, for 11 or 12 years, had three kids together. That was all fine. But then Mary decided that he was holding back her career, and he may have been. Uh, He was very possessive and so on. Mm -hmm. But uh, she then divorced him, and this is a big thing, uh, she married his brother, Cecil, uh, excuse me, Curtis Womack. Uh, <laughs> now, I thought, you she know. got I, around other, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the two brothers that was that really surprised a lot of people. Uh, right. You know, in, in some cultures uh, in uh, the Middle East and Africa and elsewhere, if a brother dies, his yes. widow is often expected to marry the remaining brother. Uh, yes. But that's. 
that's a, those are different cultures, and that's if the first brother dies. Uh, when she just divorced uh, Cecil, he didn't die until very recently, and this was some time ago. So then, when I talked to her friends about you know the fact that she then married Curtis Womack, Cecil's brother, uh, I had to hold the phone away from my ears. It was like they were saying, you know, pervert. That's incest. Uh, she right. shouldn't do it. I I was really surprised because I didn't see any personally. I didn't see anything tremendously wrong with it, but it really hurt Mary. And in fact, I mean, the criticism hurt Mary, and she tried to commit suicide on two occasions, uh, probably because everyone was denouncing her. So, right. uh, nevertheless, she stuck with that. She she and uh, Curtis stayed together till the end of her life, and she had another child with him. So. But then there was not only the marital stuff, but uh, she was also addicted uh, later in her life to both methadone and heroin. Uh, and yeah, that's, most, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No. What were you saying? saying? That's you know that's that's the part where it gets sad. You know that it it gets to that point how it spirals out of control, and it still seems like it happens today. We have Amy Winehouse, and you, you see where. Um, what was it, Eddie Ruffin? You see where these people have these amazing careers, and then something happens. Whatever that trigger is, where there's such this beautiful talent. I mean, I love Tammy Sorrell, and it, you know, it wasn't that it was drugs, but just her life lost too soon. You know, Mary Wells yes. is only 49 years old, and she died right. over 20 years ago. It, right, it's that's true. It's heartbreaking when when drugs get introduced to it, and it's, that's that's the sad part. That's the heartbreaking part of just watching someone die right before your eyes because you can see the spiral. How did it ultimately affect her music? Well, uh, it certainly didn't help. And uh, right. she would she missed, later in her life, she missed a lot of, op- several opportunities to get back toward the top because she'd uh, just miss recording dates that had been set up for her for her purposely, and the only way you can explain that is that she was too high to wake up or she just forgot what day it was. I mean, she was given the opportunity to record the song Yes from uh, the movie Dirty Dancing, which was oh, wow. uh, a long time ago, but people probably remember it. It was it was a fairly big hit. She could have recorded it. She could have done a good job with it, but she just didn't show for the, uh, for the uh, recording session, and they had to draft Mary Clayton, I believe her name was, to uh, to do that song. So uh, that kind of stuff hurt. Uh, but you know, also her her most uh, the most uh, hurtful addiction was the the legal one, as opposed to the illegal ones. Uh, she smoked two packs a day of nicotine cigarettes from Ooh. from sixteen from sixteen on, uh, which. Uh, I mean, it's legal, but it, I'm not a doctor, but it obviously killed her. I mean, she died of throat Absolutely. cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it did. And I, uh, to all of those who are listening, we condone, do not condone <laughs> uh, smoking. Right. I've never smoked, but I, I, I grew up in an environment with smokers. And because of that, it made me opt to never smoke. So I'm in my 40s, and I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Um, Good for you. Because... It's just, it's just not, it's just not healthy. So, what do you think people can take away from her story? What can people take away from her story? Well, 
Uh, let me just mention one more thing about drugs, and that is I, I bet I could write an even more best-selling book if I could find a musician who wasn't on drugs. I mean... <laughs> Peter, you're funny. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It permeated, at least when there were big record companies and people actually made records. I don't know about now, but it, it permeate, permeates the industry to such an extent that, you know, uh, I, I don't think I've ever met one. Uh, that that wasn't on drugs. It it probably has something to do with the stress of touring. Uh, you know, now and then, in order to make a living as a musician, you've got to go from one town to another constantly. You're on the move every day, usually on a bus, mm -hmm. uh, and it gets. Uh, it must get bad. I mean, how many days I'm a week sure. can you spend sleeping on a bus or in some motel before you sing again? Then you forget where you are. Uh, you forget what you're supposed to be singing. You have no friends except the people on the bus, and then uh, then groupies, which uh, may be okay for a male singer, but uh, not necessarily <laughs> for a female singer. So no, uh, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, it's like uh, I don't know how you get out of it. Uh, well, to, what to answer your question though, what what people should take away from the book? I think uh, that. The determination works. I mean, if you if you have any talent, you should exploit it uh, up to the up to the legal limit. Certainly not over. Right. But uh, uh, she was really determined to be in the record business. And even though I didn't even mention this in our talk, she suffered from t tuberculosis and then spinal meningitis as a kid. She came from a poor family. Uh, she only had oh, she had some musical training, but she was she was in a she was unhealthy and poor, uh, but right. managed to push herself forward, which uh, legally into getting into into the music business, which is a good thing. Good thing that she did it. Otherwise, uh, right. we wouldn't have had a great talent uh, like she was uh, uh, singing all the time. Uh, I think you should uh, push yourself forward as much as possible without being obnoxious and uh, and avoid drugs and cigarettes and. Uh, Possibly try to find someone to marry you can stay with or, or get used to living alone. <laughs> but hey, that, that sounds like my life. That sounds like my life, Peter. I think my husband would be proud. We just made 23 years last month, so. Hey, that's great. It, it does happen. Peter, I am just so happy. Listeners, you've been listening to my great conversation with Peter Benjaminson, who's the author of Mary Wells, The Tumultuous Life of Motown's First Superstar. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Oh, uh, you're welcome. And let me just say you can buy the book on Amazon.com at a discount. So don't hesitate to do it if you want to know more about Mary. And thanks very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, no worries. And I can assure you we will be tweeting and blogging. This show is on iTunes, Mixcloud. Um, podcast directory, so we, we will definitely promote and make sure people go out and support the book because stories like this need to be, ter need to be told and read. And for people to understand that there's, there's a rich culture and rich story behind music in our country that is just void right now. So thank you so much for, your, um, for listening to your inner gut to, to actually take the time to write this book. So thank you, Peter. Oh, thanks for having me again, and uh, I really appreciate it. Have a good day. You as well. Everybody, please go out and support this book. You can log on to marywellsbook.com. Um, support this guy. Support the story. Support Mary Wells. 
and learn about the, the, the culture and learn about the music and learn a little bit more about Detroit. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow on the show we have David Nezapel, who is uh, another author, great guy. But, um, you know, just, just stay with us. The new season started Monday, and, and everyone is listening in mass. So thank you very much. This is great. We're celebrating five years. Always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.